So as we were reading through this text, you almost have to do a double take, especially if you were reading it in that monotone, this is the Bible, and I always read it like a news anchor voice. Maybe you think like I do of the ESV audio Bible. You look back and you take a double take and you say, wait, did I, did I just read about a fight in church? Yeah, you did. You read about a fight between two pillars of the church, Paul and Peter, and they have a public showdown. Because of that, this is a text that has made some people uncomfortable, even some Bible scholars. Getting in a fight can make for an awkward moment, especially if it's in church. That kind of conflict doesn't belong in the church. And so it's led some people to say, well, this couldn't be the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter would have known better. He's a leader. There's no way that he would have messed up like that. And so even in the discomfort of reading about this, they would suggest that what they're reading can't be true. They've even gone so far as to say, this is a different Peter. It couldn't have been the same one who was actually walking with Jesus. The same Peter that walked on water? The same Peter that got his surname from Jesus? Is this who we see in the text? It's Peter's declaration of faith that we say upon baptism and membership, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is a foundational declaration for us as we are a part of Christ's church. Could this really be the same Peter? Yes, it is. And personally, I'm so glad that it is. I hope that by the end of this message, you will see why it's such a blessing that this is indeed Simon Peter, the brother of Andrew, the son of John. So a quick recap of where we are. As we've been making our way through this book of Galatians, Paul is writing this letter to address a very specific problem. In chapter 1, verse 7, he says, There's some who trouble you, and they want to distort the gospel of Christ. The problem is that there are some false teachers that just couldn't get over their attachment to Jewish law. It's similar to the way that Pharisees got it wrong by being so legalistic that they ended up loving the law instead of loving God. It's surprisingly easy for this to happen. And so Paul is going to address this head on. But he needs to make a solid argument for why the gospel isn't just something that he made up. So first, he argued that he had been an apostle long before he met any of the other apostles. That's in the first chapter there in verse 13 through 24. And then following that section, he shows us how the other apostles, even the most influential pillars, they recognized him as an apostle of his own right. That's the beginning of chapter 2. And now, where we find ourselves today, in verse 11 through 14, he's showing that he has the authority to rebuke another apostle, 
who stepped out of line. This is a pretty long defense. He's making a strong statement about his position as an apostle. And the reason is, what he's teaching is the utmost importance. Last week, as we were working through the first part of chapter 2, we saw that there were certain professing Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who tried to compel Titus. He was a Christian Greek. They tried to compel him to be circumcised. But Paul resists this. He stands strong against that and says there in verse 5, he says, So to them we did not yield in submission, not even for a moment. Why? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. That's a really important phrase. And if you write in your Bible, maybe you would underline that. The truth of the gospel, it's at stake again. And Paul is warning uh, that this is something that is fundamentally important. And so he calls back to say, your conduct needs to be in line with the truth of the gospel. We're going to see it again in our passage today. Let's jump in and we'll work our way through these verses together. Jump in at verse 11 with me. But when Cephas... Stop there. That word Cephas is Aramaic, and it just means rock. Peter, as a name, also means rock, but in Greek. So this is why Paul can really just roll back and forth between Peter and Cephas. They're the same word. But rock's not really a name, is it? It was actually a surname. It was given to Simon by Jesus. If we flip back to John chapter 1, verse 24, we'll see where this was given, where Peter said, or Jesus says to Simon Peter in verse 42. He says, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So you'll often hear that Peter is referred to as Simon Peter. And you would think about it if we were being very literal to say, Simon, rock. So here in verse 11, where it says Cephas, it doesn't throw us off because Cephas and Peter mean the same thing. So it says, when Cephas came to Antioch, well, let's talk about Antioch for a minute. It was a large city and very important in the early church. We learn a lot about Antioch from the book of Acts. In chapter 11, we find out that Antioch was one of the earliest places that evangelism was taking off. When we look into the book of Acts, we can see that the Lord was working uh, through uh, this, this church in Antioch by uniting together two groups of people. It says even uh, in verse 21, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You see, God was blessing the work at the church of Antioch. Jewish and Gentile Christians were coming together in worship and fellowship. This is probably why Acts 11.26 tells us that this is the first place that the disciples were called Christians. Up until this moment, There were really just two categories, Jew or Gentile. 
But in Antioch, they were together. It wasn't Jew or Gentile. It was Christian. There was no other way to describe what was happening. And so this is the Antioch that we find here. Keep reading in our text today. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So here's the story. Peter travels to this very unique church in Antioch. He finds himself right in the middle of an amazing environment. He's experiencing the unity of the church firsthand. And he not only sees it in action, but he sits down at the table with other Christians and he eats and fellowships in a way he never had done before. I can, I can imagine what this must have been like. As best as we can tell, it was going really well. That is until some guys from James show up. But for a short amount of time, it must have been pretty incredible to have Peter, the apostle, fellowshipping and worshiping at the church in Antioch. You think about that for a moment. This is the same Peter that had stepped out of the boat at the invitation of Jesus and walked on water. Yeah, he, he took a few steps on water before he began to sink because he was afraid. But here's what I love about Peter. When everybody else was safely in the boat, Peter was ready to step out. Yeah, he started to sink. But for just a few moments, he experienced something amazing. So I think that maybe while the other apostles are hanging out in Jerusalem, likely continuing to keep Jewish food laws, and I think about Peter, bold Peter, stepping out in the middle of the storm because Jesus is calling him out. You see, he gave Peter a vision in Acts chapter 10. He invited Peter to kill and eat. He says to Peter, you're invited to kill and eat. And Peter says, no, no, no. You don't understand, Lord. I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. But God, God insists. He says, what God has made clean, don't call that common. The same thing happened three times. And then the whole sheet was taken up into heaven. You see, Peter got an invitation from Jesus to once again step into something amazing. It was God's plan and Peter knew it. Not only did he get this really amazing vision, but he also got to experience a conversion from Cornelius. Peter shared this whole testimony with all of the rest of the leaders in Jerusalem. They weren't so sure about it, and Peter had to defend his position. But he came to understand that God's plan wasn't simply just evangelism to the Gentiles. It was also about fellowship and unity. I imagine it being like walking on water. It felt so risky. We've never done this before. But Peter trusted Jesus. And because of that, 
Because he trusted Jesus, he was once again able to experience the joy of what Jesus was doing. But then some guys show up. Some guys from James is what it says. And Peter makes the change. We don't know who those men were. We don't know the exact content of their message, but it made an impact on Peter for more reasons than we really have time to unpack. It's unlikely that James and Peter had opposing viewpoints about the unity of Jews and Gentiles. If you look back to verse 9, it says, And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, when they perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. In all likelihood, the group that came from James came to let Peter know that this practice of table fellowship with the Gentiles was causing some trouble among other Jews. That news sends Peter into a tailspin. He starts to struggle. If we study the grammar here in our text, it reveals that Peter didn't make an abrupt break with his former practice, but it was a gradual, a slow change. Fear started to grow within Peter. I wonder how much Peter felt like those moments when he was walking on water. For a time, it was absolutely amazing. But then Peter looks around and he notices the wind and he gets afraid. Whoever the circumcision party represented, it was enough for Peter to be afraid. Most likely it was a bunch of zealous Jews. But Peter started to sink. And this time he was taking people down with him. It says in verse 13, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray. Just like the wind out on the lake, fear took hold in Peter's heart, and he began to sink. The truth is that when the fear of people overcomes our fear of God, we're very likely to deny the gospel. What Peter did wasn't a matter of principle. What Peter did was rooted in fear. Peter and Barnabas and the Jewish Christians in Antioch, they didn't really believe that the Gentiles were second-class Christians, but they started acting as if they did. Their actions stopped lining up with their theology. The things that they were doing stopped lining up with what they believed. And that's exactly what Paul says in verse 14. He says, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, Live like a Gentile and not like a Jew? How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? They were not in step 
it's a fun Greek word there that's translated not in step. The word is orthopedeo, and it's only used in the New Testament right here. Very literally, it means straight-footed or an upright step. You might be familiar with the ortho prefix. That word is familiar to us because of orthodontist or orthopedics. And pedeo is familiar because of podiatry. I love the concept of what's going on here and, and how cool this word really is. Because Paul says we must stay in step with the gospel. We know that for our bodies, proper alignment is important. And Paul is saying proper alignment is essential for Christians. We're going to have to wait until later on in the letter, chapters 5 and 6, before Paul is going to tell us exactly how we stay in step with the truth of the gospel. What he's doing here is he's showing us what happens when we fall out of step. When we are not walking in step with the gospel, we sink in the water. If we add other requirements, we sink. If we think that we are in step because of our own awesomeness, we are going to sink. Peter knows what it's like to sink down into the water. As he's sinking into the lake the first time, Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him up. This time, Peter needed the same thing. He needs Jesus to rescue him. And so Paul confronts Peter for the sake of the truth of the gospel. What is the truth of the gospel? Well, many think these next two verses could be the whole thesis statement of the entire book. Verse 15 and 16. Let's read them both together. Together, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. If anybody could be saved by the law, it would be a natural born Jew. If anybody could do, uh, do what was required, it would be Paul. It would be Peter. But Paul says, Listen, we know that's not how we're saved. And in verse 16, Paul delivers this wonderful doctrine of justification by faith alone. He teaches us that we do not gain right standing with God by keeping the law. The reason the law can't save is because we can't keep it. All of us fall short. And here, Paul is admitting that even the most dedicated Jews can't keep the law. So why would they expect a Gentile could do it? In verse 16, it says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, faith, it has an object. It's not just a mental understanding. Faith is holding firmly to the truth 
about Jesus Christ. So as Peter was sinking and taking others down with him, what does Paul present? Paul presents Jesus Christ in the truth of the gospel. This is the reason for all of the strong language that Paul uses. This is the reason that he puts such a thorough argument together about his authority to present the gospel. And we should ask ourselves, we should reflect on this. Have you renounced all of your own efforts to save yourself? Asking instead for God to save you through Jesus Christ. Take just a minute and reflect on that. Remember back at the beginning when I said that I hope that you'd be convinced that this was absolutely the Apostle Peter? You see, just when you might think that Peter, this great apostle, the one whose very shadow could heal sick people in the street, when you might think there's no way that Peter could fail like this, rather than make us doubt the authenticity of this passage, I think it solidifies something far more important for us. This passage reminds us that even spiritual heroes fail. It reminds us just how easy this can happen when we take our eyes off the truth about Jesus. It is Jesus and only Jesus. We might look at Peter and yes, he is a giant of the faith, but Peter's also the one who denied Jesus on the day of his crucifixion. In Matthew 26, in verse, beginning in verse 33, this is what's recounted. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I'll never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, You'll deny me three times. Peter says, absolutely not. And yet, even Peter, even the rock, even he would fail. Isn't that the, the entire point? Both Paul and Peter, as amazing as they were, even they could not be justified by the law. There is no way to be right with God except through faith in Christ. Not in law keeping, not in church attendance, not in giving lots of money, not in the number of days in a row that we read our Bible. If you want to be saved, it does not come from works. Jesus lived the righteous life that we could not live. He paid the penalty of death on a cross and bore our sin in his own body. Justification by faith is in Jesus alone. So let us then ensure that we are in step with the truth of the gospel by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
Lord, it is much too easy for us to fall. You've invited us to walk on water and we stumble even on solid ground. Lord, we have no hope through our own efforts. We need the miracle of salvation in Jesus Christ. And so we pray once again that you would remind us with this truth of the gospel, the one that Peter needed, the one that Paul gave, and the one that we too need to hear. Strengthen our faith in Christ so that we may live for your glory and your kingdom. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.